Gabriel Garcia Marquez, the author of A Hundred Years of Solitude, wrote, He who awaits much can expect little. Welcome, everyone, tuning in live now or in the future. I'm glad to have you here. You're watching Amplify What You Love, the show for visionaries and thought leaders who want to use their voice to impact the world. My name is Kaylee Marks, and I'm a podcast consultant and content creation coach. And on today's episode, I've brought on my good friend, Christina Roman. She's a procrastination coach who works with business owners who have a shit ton of half-finished projects who want to stop procrastinating so they can become a repeat project finisher. We're going to get straight to the point and give you valuable and actionable information so that you can overcome procrastination and get more done while using less energy. This is Amplify What You Love. Christina, welcome. Thank you so much for making time. Thank you for having me. And that is such a punchy intro. It's fun, Got me right? jazzed up this Friday morning. <laughs> so I wanted to just dive right in and ask you, why do humans procrastinate? So I love this question. It sends me into like a mini existential crisis every time someone asks it because I'm like, how do I sum up my entire job? <laughs> but I'm going to do it anyway. So um, I would say there's there's obviously so many reasons. It's why I'm a full-time procrastination coach. But if you boil down every single thing that I know about procrastination into one takeaway, it is people procrastinate because they want to get an emotion or avoid an emotion. of the time, if you are procrastinating, something is going on for you emotionally that you're probably not aware of. Hmm. So it, it has, it's a symptom is what I'm hearing. For sure. And there's always that emotional, um, it's like the emotional experience that you're often suppressing, you're often avoiding, you're not aware of, but it's always there. And that is the key to figuring out why you're not taking action. So what do you think most business owners and and entrepreneurs, what do you think we get wrong when we think about procrastination or do we just not understand? Oh, such a good question. I would say the number one thing that I watch people quote unquote get wrong is that it's like a moral failing, that there's a moral judgment of procrastination. Almost like we see like there's procrastination gods or there's procrastination like judge and jury that somebody is watching us and judging the fact that we're procrastinating. And I'm like, you're the only one who's doing that, right? You might have other influences. Like you might have clients who need things from you. You might have a spouse who has opinions. People around you are going to have opinions. But at the end of the day, I'm like, your opinion of your own procrastination is the harshest opinion that exists every time. So I think that we, I think we underestimate how mean we are to ourselves And how much that self-criticism actually makes us procrastinate more instead of less. So it's sort of like we're we're beating the horse when we beat ourselves up about not doing things. And then that kind of perpetuates the cycle of putting them off because then we're having this relationship with the task or the project that is just kind of clouded and negative at this point and full of shame. (laughs) 
totally. Like I'm like, if you ever think about that experience of you get an email from someone and you don't want to deal with it and then you go back into your inbox and you're like, I really need to respond. But now you feel bad for not responding and all of a sudden it's multiple weeks later and you've been simmering on this email but you haven't actually sent a response. I'm like, that's just a micro example of what my clients do with like their projects, right? Where they're like, I should work on this project. I should work on this project. Now I feel bad that I haven't. Now I don't even want to look at it because it's causing me so much pain. So that kind of yeah. alludes to those underlying emotions that people are trying to avoid or other yeah. feelings that people are trying to go towards. Could you kind of illuminate even more about what those causes might be and, and what people might be feeling? Can we just use you as an example? Please. <laughs> Can please. I, is that okay? Yeah, let's do it. I always joke. I like go on these and I'm like, I'm going to accidentally coach you. So don't share anything. You're I not love it. When with, you, but... I, you have an amazing coaching style. You get to the heart of the matter. You ask brilliant questions. So please, I am, I'm, I'm here for this. What are your, yeah. So what are, I, I appreciate you volunteering yourself up or, or more so saying yes, when I volunteer you up, <laughs> what are the emotions that make you want to avoid things the most? Hmm. Okay. Let's see. I'm trying to think of something that I'm procrastinating on currently. Yeah. Okay. Here's one. Um, I have to reapply for my dental health insurance every year. Mm-hmm. And so I was putting that off. So I think part of why I put that off is because I don't particularly enjoy going to the dentist and simultaneously the form to reapply. Well, the truth is the I just needed to send an email and I didn't know I had to fill out a huge form after sending the email. So it could have been easy, but because I procrastinated, I actually then had to fill out a longer form. But I think there's the avoidance of the dentist and the avoidance of just being bogged down in like paperwork. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. This is such a perfect example. So I actually think of this, I used to back in like probably 10, 15 years ago, I used to be really bad about paying bills on time. Like not my credit card or anything, but like if I got a parking ticket or anything like that, I would delay it. And then they add a fee. And it's the perfect example of you've literally taxed yourself for procrastination. Right. It's exactly what you're saying is like, I could have just sent an email, but now I got to do the email and the form. And so it's like, it adds up. So I just want everyone to see that is like, it's compounding over time. It's compounding physically, but it's also compounding emotionally. So you've got what your brain has done is it's gone. This isn't about the form now. It's partly about the form. So we'll get to that, but it's not just about the form. Now it's about, I don't want to go to the dentist. So your brain has kind of leapt to the future of this future negative thing that you don't want to do. Because what will you feel when you're at the the dentist? What is that negative? Anxiety. Emotion? Yeah. Yeah. Perfect. So your brain's like, no, thank you. I don't really want to deal with anxiety. What if I just don't do this? But ironically, how are you feeling about not having done this paperwork? Anxiety. Of course. <laughs> yeah. Also Every because time. they run out of funding. And so if I wait too long, I may not have the funding to actually get the dental care. Yeah. And then how do you feel when you sit down and you do this form? Like, what is that emotion in the moment? So funny, funny enough is I filled out half the form and then kind of started to procrastinate, forgot about it. And about two minutes before we logged on, I was trying to rush finish the form. And then it had like five pages of survey questions. So I had to hit save later. Um, but as I was thinking yeah. I was getting to the end of it, I felt... I felt better. I felt like, okay, this is good. It's self-care. I'm going to get into the dentist. Like I did feel some accomplishment 
I wasn't feeling anxious necessarily. It was just like, okay, good riddance. Okay. So I love that. Keep that, but go to the moment before you feel the satisfaction where you're like, I just have to open this form and now there's five pages. Yeah. Just kind of like, uh, that's all I, that's the only way I can explain it. Just kind of like an, more annoyance. Annoyance. Yeah. Okay. I'm writing this down. I like yeah. to take notes. <laughs> well, I'm impromptu coaching. That's it, right? So your brain's like, okay, I can either deal with annoyance and anxiety or I could just not do that. But we know that it doesn't work because you end up anxious and annoyed anyway, mm-hmm. right? Because my guess is you're now annoyed at yourself for not having done it earlier. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I think it's helpful to look at that. It's like, okay, either way, there's going to be anxiety and annoyance. One way I get it done and I get it out of here. And the other way, it just like lingers and festers in my brain. So one thing that I'm I'm picking up here is we almost have two selves. We have our present self and our future self. And so we're bargaining with our future self or we're robbing our future self, really. Yeah. Yeah. I saw a quote one time that was like, um, I think it was, I don't, do you have an explicit rating on this show? Uh, it's it's all right. I said the S word okay. in the beginning. Okay. okay. I'm pretty sure the quote, I cannot, I can't tell you where it came from, but they were like, procrastination is like masturbation. It feels good in the moment, but then you end up, you just, you realize you just fucked yourself. So <laughs> I'm like, I love the quote. It's hilarious, but I'm like, I actually totally disagree because I'm like, procrastination does not feel good in the moment. So I always talk about this with my clients. I'm like, if you're if you're like, I'm going to do this thing, and then you decide to watch Love Island, for example, I hear this from a lot of people, or you're like, I'm going to go on a walk or whatever it is that you're doing to avoid the thing you said you were going to do. I'm like, that actually usually doesn't feel good in the moment because in your head, you're like, I should be doing that thing. I should be doing that thing. I should be doing that thing. So I'm like, procrastination doesn't actually feel good in the moment, and it robs your future self. So you have to learn to figure out where you're out of agreement with yourself and then learn to get yourself into agreement. So this sort of alludes to the solution for for procrastination. So could you could you share a little bit more about this and like the real solution? So how can those listening um, kind of start to take steps and me as well with my dental forms? How can can I start to take steps to overcoming procrastination? Yeah. Okay, so you already started to do it because your brain already started going to that place where you're like, okay, this is about self-care. When you think that thought, how do you feel? Responsible. Like I feel responsible to myself. Yeah, in a good way. Yeah, like a leader. Like I need to lead myself. Like I feel like um, I'm my child. Self-care, you know, like I need to care for myself. Yeah, yeah. Self-love. Yes. Yeah. I love that. And so it's not to say that in this example, it's not to say you're not going to feel annoyed and you're not going to feel anxious, but you're balancing that out with that feeling of responsible and self-loving. So you're already selling yourself on why it makes sense to take this action. So I'll, I'll tell my clients, this is like a really easy example, is I'm like, if you are a person who uses a calendar, most people will put on their calendar boring shit. (laughs) Like they'll be like, do my taxes, do the medical form. And I'm like, even I do this sometimes. But if you look at your calendar and you look at every single slot and you're like, what is the best possible thought that I could have about this thing on my calendar? So for you, instead of like fill out medical or sorry, dental form, 
what is the best possible thought you could have about that action? Um, uh, you know, I'm going to have really healthy teeth. Yeah. Does that matter to you? Oh yeah, absolutely. I'll be able to not have dentures as much as possible, you know, less pain, less, yeah, less physical pain in my mouth in the future. Okay, so imagine you open your calendar and you've got this time blocked out. And instead of it saying, like, fill out this five-page tedious form that creates anxiety for me, (laughs) not that you put that in your calendar, but it's a good reality check. You're like, I'm going to have freaking healthy teeth. That's kind of mind-blowing. Like, So I know we're talking about teeth right now, but I could imagine um, to pivot to, uh, you know, outreach to 100 people to start conversations about my business that could be overwhelming for some. So then I could, I could change that to be have a hundred incredible life changing connection conversations or something like that. So you're talking about a reframe rather than being a pessimist about it, being kind of an optimist about it. Yeah. And I think the importance there is you're not bullshitting yourself. You're not lying to yourself. You're just finding the best possible thought that you already believe. Like immediately you believed, I'm going to have healthier teeth. Mm -hmm. But my guess is your brain just doesn't go there. Our brains don't go there naturally until we train them. That's really powerful. I've never heard of – I've never heard or even thought about doing something like that. And I'd be curious if you're listening again now or in the future, if you've tried this, leave a comment. If you've never thought about this and you're as surprised as I am, also leave a comment uh, because I think that that is a huge mindset shift right away. And it's so easy. It's such an easy thing. So do you literally go into your calendar event and change the title of the task to not fill out dental form, but to get healthy pain-free gums in the future? Totally. I wouldn't, I'll just give everyone a challenge. I'm like, do it for an entire day on your calendar. And I recommend putting in brackets, the actual task. So like fill out forms. So you're not like, what is, what does this even mean when get confused? But yeah, I'm like, just put it right there in your calendar title, add some brackets to explain what the actual task is. And then see if you don't show up just a little, like, let's say even 5% more motivated, more inspired, more, um, with less resistance for your day. So this is making me think a little bit about this idea too. So recently I, you know, mental health is this ongoing dance and relationship with ourself. Right. And it's not, it's just like fitness. It's just like uh, physical health or taking care of our teeth. It's not something you do once and, you know, set it and forget it. It's like, it's a routine, it's discipline. And so recently I started, not that recently, but I, I started to do daily meditation. My mental health was, I was waking up anxious. I was waking up kind of depressed and unmotivated. And yeah. so I wanted to anchor in some sort of daily routine. And so I chose meditation and I was procrastinating starting this. I was procrastinating working out as well. I was just like pushing off all this stuff. And yeah. so what I came to realize is I can't be like a dictator to myself. Yeah. I have to actually negotiate with myself. And so I was like, okay, what am I willing to do? Yes. And I was willing to do five minutes of meditation. And I was yeah. only willing to do five minutes of meditation if I could do whatever I wanted afterwards, including like video games or going back to bed or anything, you know, like yeah. I, 
I, I made a deal with myself. And yeah. that turned into 100 days of meditation. It quickly turned into 10 minutes a day of meditation. That quickly turned into 200 days of meditation with 100 days of 50 push-ups every day. And so that habit compounded yeah. uh, in an incredible way that I was not expecting. And that yeah. came about by not trying to force myself necessarily, but to collaborate. And so I'm kind of curious your thoughts on that solution. I think it's genius. Love it. <laughs> I think I'll just kind of reflect back a few things that you intuitively did. So first of all, I call that the time of least resistance. We were like, okay, what is the amount of time I'm willing to do that I'm not going to freak out about? So I think that's phenomenal. Um, the second thing is I love that you had that conversation with yourself. It's almost like you treat yourself as two separate people. And you're like, what do you need? okay, what am I willing to give? And I love that you just intuitively did that as well. Um, I do that for sure often where I'm like, okay, well, this part of me wants to do this, but this part of me wants to do this. Where are we going to meet in the middle? What is satisfying to all parts of me right now? And which I'm going to keep coming back to this idea of agreeing with yourself, which we can talk about as a huge concept. It's really the base of the anti-procrastination challenge that I'm leading. But that's what you did is you noticed where you were out of agreement with yourself. You're like, part of me wants to honor my mental health part of me wants to not do this. And then you found that common ground where you can make it work. So you found agreement with yourself. Huge. And like the piece that comes out of that is noticing where you're out of agreement and then taking the time to reconcile will change your life. Absolutely. Um, and then I want to just point this out is you had a streak where you were like, you kept your streak up and then you added to your streak, right? You added like instead of five minutes, you did 10 minutes. And I think that's awesome. I do want to say for anyone who tends to fall into like perfectionistic black and white thinking, streaks can be really difficult because if you miss a day, you're like, well, it's all game over. Sure, I did it for 100 days, but on the 101st, I messed up. So thinking of it more as like it's cumulative. It's adding up over time. And so tracking that in a way, if you want to track it, tracking it in a way that supports the idea that it doesn't have to be every single day. And if you miss a day, it's not all over. So would that be, for instance, rather than not that you're not checking off every day that you do it, but more that you're looking back at your month or quarter and looking at like the percentage of the days that you did or the percentage of the time that you spent doing the thing or something that's a little bit more forgiving for the cumulative average yeah. of, of your effort? I like that. Or like for me, I do it with my revenue and my business is like, yes, I track month over month, but my income can be so variable because I launch. So I also have a graph that tracks cumulative. And I'm like, the beauty of cumulative is it's always going up. Like it was 100% of the time going up, whereas like the month to month is up and down or year to year might be up and down. But I'm like, cumulative always makes me feel good. Wow. It's always on the up and up. That is really, that's a powerful way to look at it. And I, so you started to, to bring up the anti-procrastination challenge, which is a free challenge you're doing. I'm going to, let's talk about that in a second, because I do want to talk to you about this idea about productivity in general. And yeah. there's this phrase, right? Like, um, uh, it's not get all that you can get out of life, but it's like accomplish as much, you know, get as much done in your life as possible. Uh, that's sort of the mindset, like more is better. Yeah. And I'm wondering if there's balance to that when it comes to purpose and joy, like is, is, a, is efficiency different than productivity? Is productivity always good? You know, doing more, will that make us more happy? 
I'm like, you tell me when you have been in periods of your life where you're in like desperate pursuit of doing more, were you exponentially happier? If that's if you've been there, because I've been there. No, I've definitely been there. I mean, I, I'm asking this because I, I genuinely wrestle with this is that yeah. my a lot of my self value does come from my output and productivity. And so I do yeah. beat myself up when I'm not as productive. But I'm also wondering if there's other ways of being. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's just, I was actually thinking about this a lot recently is this idea of like the difference between thinking about being productive and being productive. Hmm. And I think a lot of people spend so much time thinking about it. So reading the books and the podcasts and trying this system and talking about this software over that software and debating it and like tweaking your calendar. And that, that stuff adds up hours and hours and hours versus the way I like to do it is I'm like, here's what I'm going to accomplish. Get in. Enjoy it. Like when I'm doing deep work, I enjoy it. And then be done. And be like, that is enough. And now I'm going to go I like have a terrace that I just go sit on. I just like sit on this terrace for many hours a day. Um, so yeah, I think that I think it segues into a conversation about time freedom and what I have experienced. I've created a ton of time freedom for myself and that's amazing. I would not trade it for the world, but it does make you have to come face to face with yourself because when you have a lot of time freedom, that's where the guilt and the shame and like the embarrassment start to pop up where you're like, oh, maybe I'm not doing enough. And that takes a lot of reconciling. So I don't know. My I don't have a simple answer other than I love to get shit done but not at the expense of my well-being. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. What are your thoughts on that? Well, I, it's making me realize that it's in some ways a philosophical question. And it, and it is really for each person to figure out for themselves because I'm thinking about the mystic yogis of India and how they would go off into the woods or into a cave and spend their days meditating. And from one perspective, they didn't do anything. They weren't productive. And from another way, another perspective, they were accomplishing uh, potentially the human's highest potential by self-realization, you know, depending on, on how you see that. And so, yeah, it's, it's almost like it is relative to the person and what helps them to find the most purpose and fulfillment in their life. Yeah. So if it's m- causing me pain and suffering to try and be productive, then it kind of gets back into like, okay, well, what's driving that kind of like back to the very original example. Whereas if, if it does provide value to me and purpose and fulfillment, then, then maybe that's okay. Try and be as productive as I want to be. But then, you know, there's an economic factor too of like, is the value in how much humans can produce or is the value just in humanity? Yeah. Well, I think what's happened in our society is that we've kind of gone to two different extremes. I feel like there's two very extreme camps. And and you'll see this on TikTok. I'm like, it's so evident on TikTok, depending on the version of TikTok you have, like in your for, for you page. I feel like you've got the camp of people who are like productivity at all costs, like hustle, 5 a.m. If you're not grinding, you're not doing it, right? That, And then you have the people who have looked at that and been like, we don't want to do it like that productivity doesn't matter. It doesn't matter at all. And like, that's not something to strive for. I am somewhere in the middle where I'm like being productive, quote unquote, which to me means I'm creating value 
I call it my zone of value. It's value that feels amazing to me. It fits my desires, my preferences, and my strengths, and it serves a need. It overlaps with my stakeholders' needs. So when I'm in my zone of value being productive, it's phenomenal. I'm like, I'm creating extraordinary projects, and that makes me feel so creative and lit up and energized, and I would not trade that for the world. So somebody on on this camp over here could be like, oh, that doesn't matter. You shouldn't be working on projects. That's just like productivity culture gone wrong. And I'm like, mm-hmm. it's amazing. Like it's lighting me up and it's serving a need. But I'm not going to do that at the expense of my mental well-being or my emotional well-being. So a couple things that that makes me think of. I'm, yeah. I'm The hero's journey is coming up in my mind, which is this idea that there's going to be these seasons and cycles in our life. And we're not always at the start of the adventure. I mean, in one way you could say we are, but uh, for the sake of the example, we embark upon the adventure. We go through hurdles and challenges and obstacles. We're dismembered and remembered and we're, we go through the abyss and we come out with sacred knowledge and we bring it back to where we started and we're, we're renewed, we're evolved, we're transformed. And so our, our productivity isn't this fixed thing. It's not static. It's a dynamic thing. And we need to probably go through different phases of it. But it also makes me think about, you know, when you said time freedom, especially, and how our priorities can shift in life. Something my father used to talk to me about is when he was younger, maybe it was like priorities were romantic connection, you know, like love, money, health, time. And as he got older and older, maybe it was like money, health, love, time. And then older and older, then it was like time, love, you know, health, you know, so the priorities start to shift around as, as we go through life. And so you mentioned time freedom, and I know that you've developed something called the bare minimum method. And I was wondering if you could talk a little bit about that, because I do think more and more people, especially after COVID realize the just extreme importance of their time. Yeah. I, I love the example of, yeah, of your dad where it's like, of course they're going to ebb and flow. And I think we delude ourselves into thinking that our energy is not going to ebb and flow, that we're just going to be steady state mm-hmm. or that our values are always going to be the same. Our priorities are always going to be the same. And I think the reason we delude ourselves into thinking that is because we're so desperate for clarity and we're so desperate for certainty that mm-hmm. we're like, if I just figure it out then everything will be okay versus I'm going to figure it out for the next day or the next eight weeks. I do eight weeks sprints with my clients. I'm going to just figure it out for eight weeks, right? So like really playing with this idea of the world is uncertain. And we know that that's true because none of us thought a pandemic was coming. And look at us now. Some people knew a pandemic was coming, but most of us were totally blindsided. We thought we had certainty, but we didn't. So um, yeah, so I think that's a, a super important. So time freedom. Um, so in the bare minimum method. So the backstory of the bare minimum method is that over the new year, I was living in Mexico and I took myself on this trip for a week and I was like lying in bed every single day of that trip. And I was just like zonked and wiped out. And I wasn't depressed. Like I wasn't, I didn't have, I wasn't suffering emotionally, but physically I was just so wiped out. And I remember talking to my friends and I was like, I don't understand what's happening. And should I, should I try to get myself into action? And I had one friend who was like, 
you are a person who takes action. So if your body's telling you not to, you need to listen. And I was like, okay, I can do that. And she's like, and you need to listen for longer than you think you need to listen. She was like, whatever you think, whenever you think you need to start taking action again, you're wrong. You need to wait even more. And so that really struck me. And I was like, okay, I can do that. I can work on my relationship with my energy. And I did. I just like, I worked through all of the emotions that came up when I was like, it's, I'm taking way too much time off. I should be doing things, right? The guilt and the shame that we talked about. And then after that, with hindsight, I was like, this is something that everybody suffers from. Every business owner that I've ever spoken to has had low energy periods that come up because of sickness, like a chronic illness, maybe a death in the family, something going on. Like maybe you've had someone die and so it's like the anniversary of that death. Jet lag. We all have stuff that causes us to go into low energy periods. But we're blindsided by that. So like imagine you get back from a trip and you're like you have jet lag But it's like somehow every time that happens, we're like, oh, how did this happen? Where did this come from? So we act like we're like totally blindsided by these things that are actually fairly predictable. Mm -hmm. So from that, I was like, I can take all the suffering that I did over the course of six weeks and turn it into a workable system that people can go through. So when you hit a low energy period, you whip out the bare minimum method and you walk through it in a way that helps you sustain your business while using way less energy. And I'll just say one last thing and then I'll shut up. (laughs) Is the thing that I'm so obsessed with, with the bare minimum method, is that we think when we go into low energy period that we then have to sacrifice the results we want. So because of the way we've been programmed, we're like, if I'm in a low energy period, I have to accomplish less. The beauty of the bare minimum method is that it helps you accomplish equal or better results even though you're low energy. So my example is that I have been in the lowest six-month period of energy that I can imagine, like that I can remember in my life, but my business has grown 77% Whoa. from this time over last year. Wow. Yeah. By what? working way less. <laughs> yeah. That's yeah. counterintuitive. I know. <laughs> and it works. <laughs> okay. So this makes me think about the 80-20 principle. It's like what what 20% of my efforts get me 80% of the results, yes. right? And also this idea that we can do a lot and accomplish a little, yet we often aren't even doing enough to accomplish what we're trying to do. And it's not necessarily about time, but effectiveness too. Yeah. And so that's, it sounds like that's what you go into. And, and I'm curious, does that connect, how does, how does the bare minimum method and your work with clients fit into the anti-procrastination challenge? And maybe you could talk a little bit about that and how people could uh, sign up for that. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So I would say um, the way that I like to introduce people to the bare minimum method is to like just have it on hand for in between a project sprint. So you can kind of take a step back. So I'll, I'll have a lot of clients who are like, I'll work on a project, but I'll go so intensely that I burn myself out and then I crash land into this like long recovery period. And I actually am an advocate of sprinting and resting, but doing it from a more intentional place. So after you sprint hard on a project, then making sure you have the recovery time where you can go into that bare minimum period. 
So that's one way to use the bare minimum method. And then the other way to use the bare minimum method is, again, if you hit a low energy period and you're like, I can either let all the work stack up and feel terrible about it, or I can go through, like, really minimize my workload and still get equal results. So those are the two times the bare minimum method is really valuable. And then the way that that ties into the anti-procrastination challenge, do you want to talk about the challenge first? Yeah, yeah. What, what okay. is the challenge all about? How could people get it? Yeah, to share, yeah. share a little bit because it's I, I want to know. Yeah, perfect. Okay. So um, the anti-procrastination challenge is one of the – it's like the biggest challenge that I do and it's free. Um, so people can register for it. It's five days. Uh, oh, the link. I love that. Thank you. <laughs> um, it's five days. It's free. There's a Facebook group and then there's calls. And what we're going to do is we're going to walk through – sorry about the sirens. I'm in the middle of the city. <laughs> mm-hmm. We're going to walk through the three-step anti-procrastination cycle. So that cycle is first you're going to craft a three-year vision. So you're going to get super clear on what you would like to create over the next three years. Then you're going to align your identity and your emotions. So you're going to figure out why is it that I want what I want in my vision? What do I think I'll feel when I have that? And then you'll work on that. And then the third step is acting as if. And so when you're super tuned into the emotional experience that you want to have at your vision, you can actually start making decisions today from the place of the person who already has the vision. So you're basically acting as your future self. Oh, sorry. That's the challenge. So we'll be doing that. So over the course of five days and then, um, and then along the way, we'll be tracking that self disagreement. So we'll be figuring out where are you out of agreement with yourself and how can we get you into agreement in a way that aligns with your vision. And so if you are listening to this on the podcast apps, just so that you know, I will put the link to this in the show notes, but it is peak coaching, P-I-Q-U-E coaching.co backslash A-P-C. And so as you were saying that, several thoughts came into my mind. And I, I mean, <laughs> sure. I just think this is a really powerful offering for people who actually want to take the bare minimum massive action towards their goals and their vision because- yeah. For instance, we, it's like we procrastinate sometimes because we, we lack the vision of our goal and it takes yeah. willpower. It expends willpower trying to figure out what to do next. And so the fact that you're yeah. starting by helping people set goals is, is huge. And I actually just recorded a video that's going to be on my YouTube channel um, after spending 30, 000, over $30,000 on coaching in the last three years for myself. Mm-hmm. I recorded a video with my top takeaways. And mm-hmm. one of those takeaways was how vital goal setting is. And I'm now that I've realized that I see it with most of my clients is that hardly any of us are really getting clear on our goals and visiting those goals every day and yeah. really optimizing the amount of energy we're expending when we're, when we're working and taking action. And so I just think it's really valuable yeah. that you're creating this container and helping people start there and then giving them these other tools to, to nip procrastination in the bud. Yeah. And I, I love that. And I'm, I am pro goal setting. And I want to be clear though, that this actually is not goal setting because I think, of, and maybe we're just defining it differently, but I tend to think of goal setting as very like, here's the specific goal that I want by this specific date. And the thing that I love about the vision is it's a lot more open. You're like, just it's visualizing, like, what would I like my life to look like? So for me, here's a perfect example. I'm like, I want to be on a stage. 
So I'm not like, I want to be on this stage at this time with this number of people in the audience. I'm just like, I want to be on a stage at a massive conference. Um, And then I can start being like, okay, what actions do I need to take today to be that person? Yeah. So I, I I mean, I feel on the same page about that. So maybe you're right. Maybe it's the way that I'm, I'm thinking of it, but I think what, where I see the disconnection for my clients and people I work with is the short term goals are not in alignment with their vision. Yeah. They're doing a whole bunch of extra stuff that doesn't get them to where they're going. So again, the fact that you're starting with that three year vision, which honestly, if we're being, if we're being honest, it's really hard to anticipate 10 years into the future. I'm not saying don't have that, but we undergo so much transformation. We become like completely different people in 10 years. So three years is a really good solid amount of time because most people, um, I heard a quote, we overestimate what we can get done in a year and underestimate what we could get done in three or something like that. You know? Yes. I've totally heard that. Yeah, that's exactly right. So maybe we are totally defining it the same and you're right. I'm like, I would go so far. I'm like, this is a bold claim. I would go so far as to say that at least the people I work with are probably doing like probably a good 70% of the actions that they take on a daily basis could be eliminated because they have no bearing whatsoever on their actual desires. It's crazy. It's kind of painful. Or, <laughs> I know it's awful. And yet I'm like, imagine the time freedom of that. If you get rid of 75% of your tasks. So what's the opposite of procrastination? I'm kind of curious your thoughts on. Ooh. I think the opposite – I had two answers. The opposite of procrastination is self-agreement. And the other opposite of procrastination is time alignment, which I think is distinct from time freedom. And I've experienced this as I created so much free time for myself. I got to a place where I was like, I don't want this much free time. Like this is – I just feel kind of like – like a little purposeless. And so what I realized is I was like, I don't want time freedom. I want time alignment. I don't want necessarily like all this unscheduled white space on my calendar. I want my calendar filled with things that I love that feel in alignment with my three-year vision. I love that. Yeah. You've, you've shared so many amazing terms today too, that I, I just really appreciate how you uh, package your experience and wisdom and gems that you've picked up and and create methods and and easily transferable systems for people and you also have an extraordinary podcast maybe you could just plug that a little bit so that people could kind of go listen to that to get to know you a little bit more obviously i do recommend everyone listening sign up for the challenge but but definitely check out her podcast because it is full of great guests her great information and and valuable insights and yeah so what's your podcast and where can people get it and what's it about so Kaylee and I know each other because he used to manage the podcast back in the day. So I'm like, you were there from literally day one. Genesis. And I mean, I could not have could not have done it without you. So yeah. Thank you. You made me into a podcaster. We'll say it like that. <laughs> you made me into a podcast consultant. Done. <laughs> Mutually beneficial. I love it. Um, yeah. So it, it. I just went through a rebranding. So it's a half finished to done podcast. Oh, I actually have... Um, this little mug. I don't know if you can see. Oh my God. I'm so mad. Yeah. <laughs> it's so cute. Just a little, um, my, my artwork, but half finished it on podcast. Um, so it is an entire podcast 
talking about how to take control of your half-finished projects, turn them into extraordinary finished projects. So we're talking about every single thing that gets in the way of that. So the emotional, the mental, and the logistical obstacles. So there's some solo episodes where I'm talking through like, here are the six steps of to finish any project. I'm talking about my best practices for projects, all that kind of stuff. But I'm also bringing in a lot of guests. So I will work with my clients and they're like, I want to do the project, but I also have my life to contend with. So I have episodes coming out of like how to um, work with your ADHD or what to do when you have big emotional things happening with your kids. Um, I'm trying to think of some other examples. Um, how to deal with like the intense negative emotions that come up when you have unfinished projects. So a really, really good array of guests on the podcast. It's so fun. <laughs> and and I'll put all the links uh, for easy access in all the descriptions and whatnot. Definitely recommend checking that out. Um, there's just been so many valuable insights given today. I do want to ask you your thoughts. And I, I want you to just be so honest with the audience about this because okay. um, I think people start platforms. They start podcasts sometimes with very big visions and aspirations, but without some of the actual knowledge about how much work it can be. And so I wanted to ask you, first of all, what are some of the benefits and challenges of the podcast? And then also like, who, who do you think podcasting's for and do you recommend it? Ooh. Okay. Just be honest. Like, you know, I'm not, (laughs) I'm not in the business of convincing people to start a podcast. I'm in the business of helping people who know they want to start one, start one. Right. Okay. Um, I guess the first thing I'll say is that it is hard and yet you don't have to make it as hard as you're probably making it. And I'm speaking from experience. I really overcomplicated it the first time that I did it. And so this time, as I've been relaunching, my number one mission has been to be like, this is not hard. This is simple. And when I believe that, how do I take action? So first believing that this can be simple, this can be easy, and then going to work to prove yourself, right? I think that's been the biggest game changer for me is that I haven't um, I haven't overcomplicated it as much. So even like – I'll give a super sim- simple example – I had somebody ask me about starting a podcast and they were like, where do I get the intro music? And I don't know. I don't know how to do that. And I was like, you know, it's an option to just not have intro music. Like you could just make a podcast and never have intro music. And I say that not you might want intro music, but I'm like, we have all these assumptions of what mm-hmm. it requires to run mm-hmm. a podcast. And I'm like, you know, you're allowed to do whatever the hell you want. Or I had a, a client who was like, I can't do a podcast unless I do it weekly. And I was like, you know, you don't have to do that. You know, you could just put out an episode whenever you want to. Because I think we tend to – we'll use consistency against ourselves and we'll be like, well, if it's not perfect like this, then I can't do it. I'm like, your people want to listen to you and they want to listen when there's an episode available. It doesn't matter how often that is. Um, So I think that's just a way of acknowledging how much pressure we put on ourselves. What are your thoughts on that? I mean, I I love everything you're saying and uh, honestly, I was talking to you about this on our our pre-interview call, but – I don't even like the term podcast, to be honest. I really think people put too much onto it. And I think the truth of the matter is whether you're out on the street corner with a megaphone, whether you're writing a blog or a book, 
whether you're live streaming like we are now, whether whatever you do, TikTok doesn't matter. The point is to amplify your voice. The point is to amplify your message and removing and reducing barriers to that and and focusing on the things that matter, like your audience, Mm -hmm. what they need, what they're going through, focusing on on the bare minimum that you need to do to achieve the results. And so I just agree with you that people make it more complicated than they need to probably spend 70 percent extra time on it than they need to. (laughs) Yeah. 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 I was telling my sister this the other day. I was doing a Canva graphic and um, for my challenge and I was getting super nitpicky about it and I was like rearranging it. It just didn't look very good. And then I just had this thought and I was like, if I genuinely believe that there are hundreds if not thousands of business owners suffering from procrastination right now, feeling mm-hmm. the agony of it in this exact moment and that my challenge will help them, it doesn't matter what this stupid graphic looks like. <laughs> It just matters that I'm talking about my challenge. And it was just like a moment where I was like, of course, there's a bare – again, there's a bare minimum quality. I'm like, I'm not going to put out like completely fugly graphics, although sometimes I do. <laughs> but I'm like just that bare minimum where you're like, this is good enough to accomplish what my person needs. Yes, yes. Not to make me feel gratified, but to serve my person. Yeah. Exactly. And so to wrap up – Who is the anti-procrastination challenge for? Yeah. It is for passionate business owners. So you got to have that passion already where you're like, I know that I want to be in business. I know I love what I do fundamentally, but you feel like you've lost sight of the joy and the glamour of running a business. Like even if I say glamour and you're like, what glamour? Then it's for you. If running a business doesn't feel glamorous to you, you feel like you're caught up in the day-to-day, you feel like you're not doing a lot of work in your zone of genius or your zone of value, um, and you feel like very confused or overwhelmed on a regular basis or unmotivated, it's for you. And again, the links will be in the uh, show notes. And just as a closing message before we sign off, what is the one thing that you want business owners, entrepreneurs, and people in general to know. And it doesn't necessarily have to be about procrastination. It could be just like, what's your final message for the people tuning in? Business ownership can actually be fun. I think that that is not a popular message. I think we've kind of adopted this narrative that it's hard, it's hard, it's hard. I'm like, yeah, it's hard. You will come face to face with yourself. You will know yourself in a way that you've never known yourself and you might not like what you see right away. But I'm like, it can feel joyful and it can feel joyful, I would say, literally every day. And there are there are ways that we can create that for you. So don't assume that it can't be enjoyable. Amen. Christina, thank you so much for making time. It's been a pleasure having you. Thank you for sharing so much wonderful value with my audience. Uh, everyone listening, thank you so much for sharing your time and, and investing and watching this. If you have made it this far, you are a champion. Please remember, if you're watching this on YouTube, to like, subscribe, hit the bell icon. Uh, you can follow podca- the Podcast Farm on Instagram for more content and reels. And until next time, Christina, thank you so much. Thanks for having me. Take care.